First Samuel chapter four. First Samuel chapter four. I want to think about something today that we as people like the easy way. We like to come up with a way to make something simpler. Uh, when there is effort involved, we kind of sometimes prefer to find the shortcut. Look for the way to make it not quite so difficult. Uh, yeah. I remember a time when my uh, wife's family was together. Her sister is, uh, is like a walking pharmacy. She's got everything you could imagine in that purse. I hope they're all legal. I don't know, but uh, I guess they are. And so when somebody's sick, all you have to do is ask her, and she'll whip out something yes. to fix you. You know, she'll just do that. And, and I remember at one of these family gatherings, somebody was complaining of having a headache. And uh, and they ran up and said, Crystal, you got anything in there for a headache? And, and Deb's grandmother said, well, why don't we just pray and ask God to heal? Amen. And the person said, well, because it's easier just take an aspirin. <laughs> you know, it just kind of struck me as funny. But, you know, it was one of those things that just got in my brain, and I just meditated on it for days and days and days and days, and I thought, you know, sometimes we look at Christianity that way. Well, it's just easier to do it the other way. I want to make it easier. First Samuel chapter 4, are you there? It says, the word of the Lord came on... To all Israel. Let me say it, start that again. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Stop a second right there. I want us to think about what just took place. Israel went to battle with the Philistines. And if you've ever read... Uh, kings and, and chronicles and, and such, you, you know that the Philistines were the arch enemy of Israel. They were always fighting over something. And David was always whooping on the Philistines one way or another, you know. And they, were, they were a thorn in the flesh of Israel for a long time. And in this instance, they're fighting the Philistines and they get whooped. Israel gets whooped on. And, and the elders the leaders of Israel, the wise ones of Israel, the ones who are supposed to be in knowledge, said, I don't know why we're getting our tails kicked. I don't know what's going on right now. Maybe we ought to go get the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Look at this line again, what they said. Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. What dummies? <laughs> Verse 4, So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. 
And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of the, the great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And when they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled. Every man to his tent, and there was a great slaughter, for there fell of the of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. And I'd do better if I get to take me a nice drink of water first. <laughs> Israel was in a mess. And they were up against their arch enemies once again. They were fighting this terrible battle, and they were getting beaten. They were getting defeated to the tune of, what, 34,000 men killed during this exchange? That's a lot of people. And they had spiritual hunger in Israel because Hophni's and Phinehas, uh, Eli's sons, were basically in charge of the priesthood at that point. They were the, the priests of God. They were supposed to be the priests of God. These were the men that Israel came to and looked to for leadership. But the leadership had gotten so bad in Israel. Now I want you to understand, in that day it wasn't like modern United States of America. Uh, we go to church if there's not a good football game on and there's no family in town and I feel 150% and everything's good and, and Koza doesn't pray for snow again. You know, we, we, we'll go to church as long as everything else is good. Back then, you went to the temple. You went to the temple. It doesn't matter if you felt on fire for God or not. That That was a... It was almost a mandatory thing. It was, it was, you were strongly criticized, looked down on if you did not go to the temple. But this time it had gotten so bad that people were not going to the temple because of how evil Phineas and, and Hophni were. People were actually avoiding the house of God. And two things were happening with these guys. They had become so corrupt. And you probably know the story. Eli, he was the high priest. He was the boss. He was the, the man that they looked to. He was a godly man. He raised up and taught Samuel and the things of God. But he failed to restrain his own boys. He didn't raise his own children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And as right when they, when, uh, they became of age, they uh, succeeded him into this role, into the, the, the uh, leadership of the temple. But the problem is they didn't have the relationship with God, and they were wicked men. Now, Scripture tells us in Leviticus exactly what the priests were uh, supposed to get. When there was a slaughter that was taking place, when there was a sacrifice, they were supposed to get the bre breast. 
and the right shoulder, and that went to the priest, and that's what sustained them. And, and the fat of that sacrifice went to Almighty God. That was given as a, a sacrifice to God. The rest of it was given to, uh, to, to the people. And so that's how it was. That was, in a sense, their tithe. When, you, when that, that animal was killed, that was a por portion that went to the priest. This portion went to God. The rest of it went to the, to the people. But Hophni and Phinehas, they had a different idea. They would have the, the animal boiling in a pot as they were boiling the meat, and they would take big hooks, and they would hook out extra. And say, what God said is mine wasn't good enough. I get more. And they start scooping out more. And they would take in more and more from the people. And so, in a sense, they were making merchandise of God's people. They were demanding more of God's people than what they were by right supposed to be given. And at the same time, they were not giving the fat unto God. They were not giving the sacrifice unto God. And oh, that's been a problem down through the ages that has never gone away. That people in ministry, in, in the role of ministry, in the position of ministry, sometimes lose track of what is genuinely theirs, what is, they have right to, and they try to go beyond that point. They try to, to, to get, oh, I don't know, ten cars and you know five mansions and a, and a jet plane and all these different things, and they say it's for ministry. And then they fail to do what God says He demands of them. That part isn't given. And so this is what Hophni and Phinehas were doing, and Eli had failed to restrain his sons. He did a great job raising Samuel. He didn't do so hot raising his own kids. And so the elders are crying out that Israel just lost 4,000 men, and the elders, the ones who are supposed to be the wise and to know what's going on, they say, why has God smitten us? Let's go get the ark. <laughs> That's amazing to me. What is that? What is this idea? Let's go get the ark. What was the ark? The ark was a, a trunk or a chest, you would call it. It was made shortly after Israel was delivered out of the land of Egypt. They made this chest, and it was a, a place of remembrance. We serve a God of remembrance. He constantly wanted, wanted to remind Israel, I am the God who delivered you out of the land of Egypt. I am the God that defeated the Philistines. I am the God who defeated the Amaleks. I am the God who did this. I am the God who did that. He does that with us. He constantly wants to remind us of what he did. Because we need that. Yes. It's not him that forgets, it's us that forget. If we can even remember all the times that God has blessed us and all the times that God has answered our prayer and ministered to us. And so that, that ark was a, a chest. It was something that they carried before them. And it was as a, it was as a, a point of remembrance. Inside that was the, uh, was the tablets that, that the, uh, uh, the, the commandments were given to Moses. You had the, the, the Aaron's rod that budded. That was inside there. There was a chunk of manna inside that ark. There was also part of the Torah inside the ark. Remembrance, remembrance, remembrance. Remember when I fed you with the manna? Remember when the miracles of Aaron? Remember when I did this? Remember when I gave you the law? It was all remembrance. And so it wasn't... Listen, that ark was a chunk of gold and wood. <laughs> That's what it was. The God that we serve is what makes the ark special. If you have the ark without God, what do you have? 
<laughs> you have a chunk of golden wood. I remember when we were teenagers, my brother and I running around terrorizing the town of Colville. We knew every police officer and he knew us. When you're a teenager and a cop knows your first name, that's probably a bad sign. They all knew us. But every day when I got up, I took that Gideon New Testament. Remember the little brown thing? I think some of them were green. And I put it in my back pocket. And he had a, uh, a cross. He called it an unk, unk or something like that. I don't remember what it was. It was some kind of a cross. He'd always wear on a necklace. And what were those things to us? Well, I was okay with God because I carried the Bible. Never opened it. The thing looked pristine after about three, four years. It still looked perfect. You probably would have been tight to open the thing. Never looked at it. But I was okay because I had that Bible on me. Amen. And he had a cross hanging around his neck, so he was good. <laughs> While we terrorized the town around from the police and got in all kinds of trouble. None of that mattered because I had a Bible. <laughs> I guess it's like a you know Wonder Woman where she clicked those bracelets. I can take the Bible and you know throw all the bullets away or something. I don't know. It was some kind of a charm to us. The God that we serve is what makes this thing powerful. Yes, amen. The power of the Holy Spirit working through this. I said earlier, people read the Bible and they get saved. You can read a book about the Bible and there's no real power in it. You get what I'm saying? God's Spirit works through His Word. That's what makes this special. You can close that. Throw it on your coffee table at home and think you're okay and all the demons of hell tremble when they come around your house because by golly, I got a Bible. And mine's bigger than the Joneses Bible who's just a little Bible. Mine's a big one. <laughs> I got it going on. <laughs> but you know what? It's just a paper with a bunch of words on it without the God that the thing is about. Amen. We have to know the God. Israel was in this spot where they're getting defeated and they say, let me have my charm. Let me have my, my talisman, my thing, the ark. And they said, maybe it will deliver us out of the hand of the Philistines. Maybe it being around us will be okay. And we do that stuff today. We do it today. People think they, they go on the... They see something on TV and they call and they, they get their donation because you got to do that. And you get a little cloth, piece of cloth and they think, oh, I'm okay now. I'm going to get healed because i got that little cloth and so-and-so prayed over it. Oh, I've got the cloth. They say, well, they did it in the Bible. Let me tell you something. That cloth in the New Testament was powerful because the almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords was working through a man who had who knew that God. A man who was anointed by the Almighty God. A man who knew what it was to pray through and touch the throne of God. And that man prayed over that cloth and said, Take this to your loved one and touch them with it. He wasn't fooled for a second thinking that the cloth was anything. What was a cloth? A thing of remembrance. A symbol. It was just something that you cut. Came and said, I prayed. I prayed for you. I've never seen you. I don't know you. I've never never laid eyes on you. But I've prayed on this. And that person is taking it and laying it on you. And it's not the cloth that's healing you. It's the almighty king of kings that's healing you. Yes, that's right. Israel failed to call out to God. How silly is that? 
Well, just bring the ark and we'll be okay. <laughs> well, just bring the ark. See, they were remembering. They were remembering, all right. They were remembering Jericho. Oh, they took that ark. You see that? They walked down into the water. The priest carried that ark. You had to carry that ark just right. I wouldn't want the job. They, anything wrong, zap, you're dead. <laughs> Those priests, they carried that ark and they walked down into the water of Jericho and the waters parted. And they walked across. Israel's remembering that. You know, like, oh, this is powerful. You see what that ark did? They're losing sight of what it's all about. And they got around there to Jericho and they said, how are we going to knock down these massive walls and defeat this city? And God said, take that ark and walk around the city every day for seven days. And you do this, this yell and cry. And they did that for seven days and the walls of Jericho fell down. And they said, look what the ark did. God had to be just shaking his head. And you dummies, the ark didn't do anything. <laughs> you big dummies. The ark didn't do anything. God did something. The ark was a symbol of what they did. We have people do it all the time. They say certain phrases, certain chants, certain prayers. They say, well, if I pray this prayer, do you really think God's sitting up there saying, say just right. Don't get any of the words wrong. You better say that prayer exactly right, and then I'll grant it. How silly is that? What, are we serving a child? Come on. What does God... He doesn't care what words you say. I really don't believe He cares a lot about what you say. I don't know about you, but I've been in prayer before God. I'm not even sure I was, I was speaking from this, this planet. That's what Scripture tells us. When you pray, you don't know what to pray. So the Spirit's speaking through you in words that cannot be uttered. It's nothing that can't even be put in the tone because we don't understand it because our heart is being poured out to God. Yes. Amen. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even use good English. Doesn't matter if you use good English. Hallelujah. God isn't even listening to your words. You know what He's doing? He's looking right in here. That's right. He's looking in here. He's hearing the cry of your heart and the passion that's in here. He's looking at your life to see how much you love and, and, and seek and want Him. What does Scripture tell us? Says, don't worry about it. Be like the sparrows. They don't know toil. They, do not, they don't, do not work. They don't labor. They're not worried about it. And God gives them what they need. Yes. He said, if you want all those things, this is what you do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all those things will be added onto you. Yes. What is God concerned about? Us seeking Him. Us seeking Him, wanting to know Him. So they were defeated. And what's amazing is the Philistines fell into the same trap. <laughs> they hear the Israelites are shouting because Israel really thought they were going to win. The ark was here. Oh, we're okay now. God hasn't been mentioned yet. It's all about the ark. Oh, we're okay. The ark is here in the Philistines. Like, what are the Hebrews screaming about? Well, the ark of the covenant came into the camp. Uh-oh. Philistines fell into the same trap. <laughs> They're like, oh no. The ark of the covenant is there. Do you know what's happened the last time the ark of the covenant came around? Oh man, we are in trouble because all these gods are going to go whoop on us now. And apparently they had one strong leader that stood up and said, you guys need to stand on your feet like men. Get up. You want to be bound to, to, to these Hebrews? Get up and fight like men. 
So you know what they did? They got out and fought like men. And they killed 30,000 of God's people. 30,000 of God's chosen people in the next battle. See, so many people carry the Bible, but they don't know the author of the Bible. It doesn't do any good to have a charm. Why do we think that God is impressed because we carry some silly thing with us? Oh, he's so impressed because I have this. He's so impressed because of something. I read years ago where Mother Teresa, and I don't even remember the years now, it seemed like it was 40 or 50 years she never let the rosary leave her hand. She carried that rosary 24 hours a day. She kept that rosary in her hand. How silly. Oh, that's mean, preacher. That's true. That's silly. That rosary means nothing. It's not even biblical for one thing, but it's silliness. What is that? Charm? A little piece of metal supposed to do something for us? We always want to find the easy way. It is far easier for me to buy a cross. I can just go into the store, pay 20 bucks, buy this cross, hang it around my neck, I'm good. That's so much easier than seeking God. <laughs> Way easier than actually having to die to myself, you know, crucify this flesh, take up my cross and follow him. Just let me buy a cross. Israel said, uh, let's go get the ark. That's way better than having to repent from all the sins that we've done. <laughs> oh, that repentance hurts. <laughs> we don't want that part. Way easier to go get an ark than it is to repent and seek the Almighty God. It is so much easier to, to just go get a thing than it is to actually have to empty myself of, of self and die to this man to serve our Almighty God. The Bible tells us, Thou shalt make unto thyself no graven image. Why does it say that? Because if God allowed people to make graven images, you know what they'd do with it? They would hang it around their neck and say, I'm okay. <laughs> Have I got that point across yet? <laughs> That's exactly what we would do. He said, you will not do it. Don't make unto yourself any graven image. Do not bow down to it. Why? Because of nothing in a graven image. Oh, only the Catholics do that. Oh, don't you wish. The Bible tells us about our God. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi. You notice it always says Jehovah, and then Jehovah, and then Almighty God, the Healer, Almighty God, the Provider, Almighty God, the, the One who is there. It's always Jehovah, the Almighty God. That's where the answer lies. Exodus 15, 25 and 26 says, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. There he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commands, and will keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Or Jehovah Rapha. Now I want you to look at that again. This is what he tells them. Right here, verse 26. 
if thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of thy Lord. What does that mean? Diligently. See, he didn't say, if thou wilt hearken unto the voice of thy Lord. He said, if thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of thy Lord. With all your passions, all your strength, all your love, all your, all your, everything within you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is where your, your deliverance is, where your freedom is. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke light into existence. He speaks to us and speaks through us and speaks blessing upon us. And he said, if you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord and will do that which is right in his sight. You know, the Bible talks about the time when they thought they did what was right in their sight. That gets them in enough trouble. He said, forget about that. If you will hearken what is, uh, if you will diligently hearken the voice and it will do that which is right in his sight, what God wants us to do. And then, if thou will give ear to his commandments, and will keep all his statutes. Notice it didn't say, keep most of his statutes. It didn't say, keep some of his statutes. And, and I've talked about this before. It burdens my heart. We have people today who just like part of the Bible. Just give me all those fancy passages. All the fun ones that talk about the blessings I get. I'll cut that one out and I'll put it up on my, on my mirror so it reminds me every day. I'll put all them good ones. I'll print them things out and have them all over the place. But you never see the ones up there about holiness and living right, repentance, you know, sacrifice. None of those are plastered on the walls. Only the blessings ones. Only the ones that God's going to give me something out of the deal. He says, hearken to all of the statutes. I love those verses. I do. Psalm 23 I read earlier. Love that. Great. It is wonderful. That's part of the Word of God. But our heart needs to be just as much on those ones that we don't like so much. Those ones that don't feel quite so comfortable. Those ones that tell us to live some way that we don't necessarily like to live or obey some statutes we don't really like to obey. You know, obeying is obeying everything. Ever have one of those kids that just like those certain things you told them not to do? You know, don't go run in the street. Okay, I can live with that one. Don't get the cookie jar. Wait a minute. But I want a cookie. Don't plan on going to run in the street because that truck's really big and it's going to hurt, but I want a cookie. We have kids that live that way. We live that way with God. God, I like this one because that one I don't really want to do anyway. But God says, what about this one? That's the one you do want to do. And he says, you can't do that either. All of his statutes. Then he said, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I brought on the Egyptians. Now I've told you, everything in the New Testament, Old Testament, there's a parallel in there. And this whole thing of Israel being delivered out of the land of Egypt is a, is a forerunner to what Jesus Christ did. And those plagues that came on in Egypt, God's people were protected from those plagues. Those plagues didn't touch God's people. But what if they were Jewish, but they didn't put the blood on the doorposts? They weren't protected. Just because you're called a Christian doesn't mean you're protected. You better put the blood on the doorposts. 
You better do what God says to do. You better obey those things. If you do them, then I will bring none of these curses upon you that I brought upon Egypt. Because I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. Ezekiel 48 and 35. I'm trying to close here. It says, It was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. He's talking about Jerusalem. God's holy city. And I love that. Jehovah Shammah. I, the Lord who is there. Jerusalem is a, a symbol of God's place. It is the city of David. It is, it is God's holy city. It is the, 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 it's really the culmination of everything across the world. It always has been since its first initiation. Most news has some link to Israel and some link to Jerusalem. And in the, in the latter days, in the end when he ruptures us out of here, we will see Jerusalem coming down from heaven. The new Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where it's at, folks. This thing is, is powerful and important in, in, prophetic, uh, in the prophetic timetable. And he said, I'm going to be called Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. That's what we need to seek. Don't get an ark. Don't get a cross. Don't put a Bible in your back pocket and think you're okay. <laughs> Don't order some piece of material from some dude on TV. Seek the God who is there. Yes. Seek to please that God. Have Him. Am I against? I don't care if you wear a cross. I don't care. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if you think that's your protector, that's wrong. Yes. If, if you're putting faith in that piece of metal, yes. that's wrong. It is a sign. It is a reminder. I don't care if you wear a cross. I don't care if you call some dude on TV and get a piece of cloth. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm trying to bring it into perspective of what it means. I want you to have a Bible. I don't want you to stuff it in your back pocket and leave it there. <laughs> it's not the things I'm preaching against. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. There's problem when you put faith in those things to protect you because those things will do nothing for you. Amen. If you don't know the God that the symbol is about. That's what it's about. I want us to pray closing prayer and then I want us to find a place to pray. I don't care. You can go find a theater pew, theater bench back there, and you pray, you pray up here at the altar, you pray in your seat. I don't care if you walk around and you pray down the street if they don't arrest you. I don't care what you do. I just want us to take time as a body of believers and take a few minutes to pray for you. Am I living what He said to live here? Am I putting faith in anything other than Almighty God? If I am God, I want you to clean it out of me. All right? That's what I want us to do. <clears throat> Father, I just I hold up this congregation to you right now, and I pray for each one. Convict our hearts. Examine us. Let us know where we stand with you, Lord. I pray that you will speak life and truth to us today. 
We're so afraid to see who we really are sometimes, God. I pray that you'll show us who we really are. And Lord, let us have a heart of repentance before you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.